Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please re-interview the show. I am your host, Wayne Blue. I'm joined today, no guests, segment one, two, three, four, uh, by my two co-hosts, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. Uh, Blake, congratulations on getting the Jante order piece out there. It's just an article, man. It's not a... No, no you man. did it, bro. It's great. You We've been talking it. about it for multiple episodes, and it's out there on sportsnet.ca. It was the first thing I read this morning. Um, so, yeah, it was a great story, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. You don't say congratulations for having our article go up, but I appreciate it. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, right. look, for anyone who's curious, like, why we talked about it so long, it's only just up now. One, I was working on it over the holidays, so you're not. I'm not going to drop this on, uh, you know, December 25th and expect people to read right, it. Right. Uh, no shade to the athletic who one year thought that we should all, everyone should have a big story drop on the 25th as part of a push to, like, have athletic Man, subscriptions. Not, name that, one thing name not, that editor. If there's um, one thing I'm not doing on Christmas, it's reading the athletic. The, the idea was to make it a good Christmas gift. Um, I had one of my favorite things I've ever written uh -huh. uh, was like a big feature on Jordan Lloyd and his yeah. best friend who passed yeah, away. Yeah, I remember that one. And, and yeah, but that dropped on Christmas Day, so like nobody yeah, read, it. read it. On Christmas um, Day. So anyway, I was holding for that, but I was also like trying to wait for a time where Jonte Porter might play. Um, so once he got into Wednesday's game, I kind of spun it around. Anyway, it was, uh, it was good. It was cool to talk to Michael Porter Jr. for it. Uh, obviously, the 905 and Raptors people. Justice Winslow's known... Uh, Jonte Porter for, for years, and, and they were in the 905 together. Darko mm -hmm. coached Jonte Porter in Memphis. So there were a lot of kind of threads to to pull at for that one. And, and yeah, now that he's uh, at least for one night got some minutes, I think he'll probably be back in the rotation tonight, at least in the first half. It's yeah. fun. It's good. It's, I'm, I'm excited. I don't know. I found it to be a cool story. Like, I, I we've talked yeah. about how I've liked Jonte as a, as a prospect, but the fact that at age 22, he was ready to quit and just be done because he had torn his ACL and MCL multiple times. Mm -hmm. Even once he got back healthy, he, he used the word crumbling. Like every time he played, it felt like his knees were crumbling. Yeah, that's terrible. And like he was just done with it. And he's a guy who has like a lot of other interests. He could make money, you know, not NBA money, but you mm -hmm. can make money other ways. And, you know, he, he had told me like, yeah, like I want to have kids. And if I can't, if I'm having trouble walking around at 22, 23, what if I give this another five years and it continues to get worse? And then Michael Porter Jr., um, and I'm an older brother, so I, I know how these conversations go. He was basically like, no, you don't. Mm. You're not. Like, if I can go through two major back surgeries, get to a max contract level, and then he didn't know this at this time, but on his way to winning an NBA championship, you're not quitting if I didn't quit. Um, and that was kind of the like last push he needed. He's been, you know, healthy and on kind of the comeback trail since. So, uh, in addition to seven good minutes for the Raptors the other night, a, a nice kind of comeback story for the for the whole Porter family, really. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm sure they they'll be reading this piece and you know even just cherishing as a family. So, Alex, what's going on with you, man? Have, no, have, a, have you made a family's day today? No, it's a great story. A great feature about them. I was just thinking your um, your little brother is is your John Tape Porter. Uh, you gotta, okay, you gotta yeah, take yeah. him. You gotta take him under your wing, type. You, you know? know what? I, by the way, speaking of taking my brother under his wing, um, yeah. Did he get wings on Uber Eats? Yeah. Oh, after what? Yesterday's show or no? Two days, two days ago after yeah. the show, he ran out of Uber Eats credit. Uh, I went, I went to Union Station to meet up with him because he had the train to go to Montreal to he go need, back to school. He needed food, and yeah, we we you know where I took him was 
Shanghai 360. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Shanghai 360, I'm begging for a sponsorship. Raptors please. go on a two-week road trip, and yeah. like one game into the road trip, yeah. Will's like, I miss it. I need to, yeah. all my plans. He's the beginning. first person in Toronto to purposely go to the Union Meet Station at concourse. The concourse. He's like, where's the DJ at? I told him, I was like, all right, when you leave Union, meet me at Sephora. All right, I'll meet, meet me you. at Sephora. What is this? You're crying in H Mart? Yeah, we Meet walked around. Sephora? He was like, there's a worse down here? I'm like, yeah, there is. Oh, man. it gets it gets worse. <laughs> Trust me. You, we were on our worst behavior. This but, is uh, Oh yeah. my God. This yeah. that's a good one. Um this is gonna be crazy. So when when I was doing the the afternoon drive time show with Ben Ennis mm -hmm. for the Jays opener last year, we did the show from the Sportsnet Grill, which is the Sportsnet restaurant at yeah. Rogers Center. Oh, and I'm right. I'm just waiting now for like First show after the trade deadline, um, you know, they're they're coming off a win against the Hornets. They, they've got all these new places and sports that's come comes to us like we got a sponsorship deal. You guys are doing the show from Shanghai 360 oh, from man. from a little table out front Woo! of Shanghai 360 that's, in the York. That's where I'm like, what, what do you want? Combo one, which includes Pascal trade talk. Combo two, which includes Pascal trade talk and some Twitter questions. You want combo three with. I don't know what else banter. I suppose. Yeah, that's that's our <laughs> show. I ran out after two combos. Yeah, it's it's fine, man. Well, no, great. What um, are we actually doing today on the show, Alex? Because uh, you you do the rundown for us, and um, yeah, you know, I was I on a long phone call before the show. Let's just say that you were, man. Um, yeah, we we took uh, mailbag questions, so we're definitely gonna get to those. Mm, okay. We're also going to be, um, because we've been talking about the new Raptor editions this week. We didn't take the time to show love to OG a little bit. Yep. So we're going to draft our favorite OG moments. Nice. I believe it was pointed out to me, um, Blake, that this was done on, on other podcasts. Yeah, Sean Woodley and Katie Heindel did it at Locked On Raptors as well. Uh, okay. I didn't, uh, because obviously I didn't want to uh, have their picks in my head. I didn't go through it, but right, I saw right, that right. they did it, um, and they always do great stuff together, so shout okay. out to them. But so we're going uh, to run it as well. We're going to run it as well. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it, man. But... We can start around the NBA because I feel like a lot happened. What a game last, last night. night. Like, I guess what a two games. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like, let's start in Golden State because the, the Warriors are in hell right now. Ooh. So, uh, you know, you, Will, said the first thing you read this morning was, was a Jonte Porter feature. Yeah, it was. That was the third thing that I read today. Oh, yeah? Because the first thing I read was Shams reporting <laughs> that after <laughs> okay. sitting the final 18 minutes of last night's Nuggets loss... Warriors forward Jonathan Kaminga has lost faith uh. in sleepy Steve Kerr and no longer <laughs> believes that Kerr will allow him to reach his full potential. Mm. And one source, uh, one of six sources, said that, quote, Thursday night was a straw that broke the camel's back. And then the second thing I read was, this was from a Jay Dumas Reports. I believe he's a, he's a radio host um, for the Warriors. He said that Moses Moody's camp is also frustrated oh. with his role in Golden State and quote, the people around Moses are frustrated with his lack of a role and consistency. So we've got a little bit of a mutiny happening in Golden State mm. against Sleepy. Wow. Um, you removed Draymond over the last 11 games and the minutes <laughs> distribution gets worse somehow. Oh, wait, by, oh yeah, by the way, unhappy. before I get your thoughts too, it was reported yesterday that Draymond's nearing a return and will be returning to the practice facility so He's come back like the Undertaker. Duke's <laughs> up. Duke's up, everyone. So, Kaminga, Moody, you want a leak? Yeah. Draymond's oh. back in the building. Oh, so man. that's also well. so that's also happening. And of yep. course, last night they blew an 18-point lead yeah. in the fourth quarter. Uh, Joker sent them to hell at the buzzer. Fourth time this From season. From half court. 
Yeah, fourth time this season that the Warriors have lost after being up 17 plus. Mm. So yeah, do we think uh, Golden State Warriors? Do we think Jokic's celebration was just because he did he got off work? Yeah, like yeah he didn't have clearly. to go to overtime. Oh, he yeah. didn't have to OT. Yeah. Um, look, this is crazy, man, because they blew the 18-point lead and and Steve Kerr's explanation for not bringing Jonathan Kaminga back in the game, because obviously he was asked about it after the game. This has been a talking point among Warriors writers and Warriors fans all year mm-hmm. about Kaminga and Moses Moody's usage. You know, Pods is the one guy who seems to have like a fairly stable role, but even yesterday they take Trace Jackson Davis out of the starting lineup for Kevon Looney. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a... There's, this is a season-long thing with Kaminga and Moody in particular and their usage. And Kerr's explanation after the fact is, I mean, one, just not great game feel in my opinion, and mm-hmm. two, not great un, like creativity in terms of the rotation. So the two explanations he gives is, one, he thinks Kaminga and Wiggins are too redundant, so you can really only play one of them at a time. When one of Wig- them's clearly playing better than the other Kaminga's- one. Kaminga's playing better than Wiggins, clearly. Yeah. But also, if both of them are having a decent night, and Wiggins had an okay night last night. He didn't yeah. He didn't defend very well, but at least a couple of the shots dropped, whatever. And, and they probably don't want to, like, take him too far out of the mix because they're going to need to trade him at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, show me the team that on a, on a good night where two forwards are playing really well and both guys theoretically are good defenders and Kaminga's obviously a huge energy guy that you can't find a way to use two of those guys. So the lack of creativity there when, I get it, you've got CP and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson who you need to get minutes for. You're not going to run crazy, crazy small. But you can, you every team in the NBA could use two wings playing well at the end of a game. But the other one was that, well, that group built the lead so I wanted to roll with them. And then when they started blowing the lead, Kaminga had been sitting too long. First of all, Kaminga hadn't been sitting all that long. Like he'd been at the point that they started to unravel. Yeah. He'd been sitting about 12 minutes, which is a little longer than you would probably like to bring a guy back in. But that lineup was collapsing and they were starting to blow an 18 point lead and you could see it starting to snowball. So one, this idea that you can't find a spot for two wings in, on a team that only has three wing players um, and the other that like, well, once they started blowing the lead, I didn't feel comfortable going to anyone else is like, I don't know. That's like fan criticism of a coach 101 is like, well, you didn't call a timeout at the right point and, and you left that lineup out there too long. Yeah. I just for Steve Kerr, for someone who's experiences him and has been as good a coach of, as he has in really high leverage, really important situations to just like, I don't know, feel like he doesn't have the handle on it this year is a little odd. It, 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 you know what? It's kind of funny because it reminds me of, you know, at the end of the Spurs tenure when they had won, obviously, for a very long time. And they had, you know, the closest thing, I think, comparable to the Warriors situation with, like, three champions, you know, multiple championships over multiple years, et cetera, et cetera. They tried to make that pivot towards, okay, the next generation is going to be Kawhi. Suppose LaMarcus Aldridge to some degree, although there was some awkwardness with LaMarcus when he first came there and wasn't exactly the greatest fit either. Um, but you know, they found some success. They're going to transition over the Kawhi and like these kind of transitions are just really difficult. You know, when you have the incumbent coach or when you have the existing coach with the group, um, and you still have all those old guys there, like, it's just not easy to make this kind of push. The Warriors have been trying to essentially since, you know, 2019 after the Raptors beat them, um, they've been trying to convert to this, this youth movement, right? Um, they had obviously Steph broke his hand that one year. And so it allowed them to sort of tank and, and get some pieces the results of that are like Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. Like Pods is like a rookie that they've hit on, which is great. Like for them, like Pods was great last night. But um, 
these new guys who are supposed to be young and bringing this whole group forward, that just never has happened. And now these young guys are tired of waiting for their turn because eventually you reach the point where you need to get paid or you need to show something to potentially get paid and you don't still don't get that opportunity. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to hit this point where guys are just not happy. And, of course, if you're trying to win championships, you're always going to lean on the older guys um, to try to do it. So, like, Dario Sarge will come in into the game or, like, Wiggins will come back in the game or Chris Paul will come back in the game. Wide open, by the way, Steph should have fully passed to Chris Paul. But he's like, nah, nah, I'd rather throw this cross-court pass into a turnover to Jamal Murray than pass it to old Chris Paul because he's that washed. Jordan Poole obviously was supposed to be part of this young transition too. Obviously, he got punched all the way to Washington. So it's That's like... Crazy. No, they actually Draymond's punched... Draymond's really one punch, man. <laughs> they punched them to a totally different coast from the Pacific to the Atlantic. Um, oh, no. That transition just hasn't gone well at all. So I, it's not too much of a surprise, I guess, that they're struggling with it yet again the following season. Yeah, and like, look, they they... They stumbled into accidentally a situation that the Spurs did with Tim Duncan, right? Where like, okay, um, David Robinson is going to miss a year. Wow, you got Tim Duncan in the draft the one year you were bad in the last like 30 years. And then that is your pivot. And I think the Warriors were being hopeful that maybe that would be what that is for them. They were only out of the playoffs for for two years. And one of those years was the shortened season where they were still six games over 500. It was just because of the short season, the West standings ended up very... Very odd where they were, uh, yeah, or they finished eighth and then lost in the play-in yeah, they or lost something like injuries. that. Yeah. Um, so LeBron was like, I, I could only, I saw three rims and I shot for the middle one. Yeah. He's, God he's, damn LeBron. He's shooting on those rims. At, was it lethal shooters been building? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that lethal trainer training. Um, uh, but even like, even the Spurs who tried to transition out of the Duncan Ginobili Parker court to the Kawhi court, like, and it, it didn't. I mean, it worked out because they got one title kind of with Kawhi on the way up as, like, mm-hmm. the ascending guy. But even once they tried to do that pivot, like, Ginobili was still there, but he played 20 minutes a game off the bench. Mm-hmm. Tony Parker was gone. Tim Duncan had retired already and was mm-hmm. on the coaching right, staff. Right. They were not trying to transition to the Kawhi era while also playing Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan 35 minutes a game in the starting lineup still. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the awkwardness here with, with the the Warriors and the friction here because... Yeah, what are you going to do? Not play Chris Paul and Clay, like Clay Thompson again? Was, was I don't know. You could play less Chris Paul, man. You could play less Chris Paul what for is sure. CP doing at this age, man? And like you know, the Wiggins stuff hasn't gone the way you wanted. But like this is where the friction is: is they the idea was well, we'll use that year to replenish and help with that pivot foot. But the reality has been whether because they weren't willing to move off of Clay and or Draymond. And like we've talked about with Mark Stein, that's a really complicated thing given the the legacy that those guys have with that franchise. Or it was just like maybe a little too soon for to have that pivot point. You now have this friction where you have Steph, Clay, Draymond, Chris Paul, who are good enough a lot of nights, but aren't going to be good enough to win a championship without making a trade here. And the young guys are good, but obviously not unquestionably good enough for Kerr to trust them. They're just in this kind of awkward in-between. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, this is the season finale for the Warriors, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is it. Like, Clay's heading to free agency, right? And they're trying to... Uh, I don't know what Draymond's future going to be with the team. Um, shouts to Bob Myers, man. Bob Myers had the foresight to, to <laughs> get totally out there. He just left, man. Yeah, and even looking back, I think about... those crocodile tears and then left. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. in terms of season finale, he's like, uh-huh. he's the guy who like, okay, well, I'm I'm getting to be too big an actor for this show. I'm going to leave before the show yeah, gets yeah, bad. No, yeah, yeah, did that. I'm, uh, yeah. No, I was, I was thinking about their 2022 uh, championship too, the one when they beat the Celtics. Like looking back, it's actually pretty impressive that they were, they were able to squeeze one more 
title yeah, yeah, yeah. out of this. Like Wiggins was obviously huge for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they necessarily had the toughest road there. Like it was Denver was hurt yeah, yeah, in the no, first round. Sure. Memphis wasn't really ready. Yeah, that was Denver with no Jamal or Michael yeah. Porter Jr. Luca, right? so. Luca and the Mavs, and like Charles obviously was injured for a little bit of that yeah. too. Yeah, and Steph, Steph obviously saved them when they were down two yeah. one. They, they also, Boston. if you want to talk about unlikely health things, Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton both stayed healthy for like most of that playoff run. Right, and Draymond was potting after every game. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a generational title. And like run. Jordan Poole Yo, was really good in that playoff run, right? Like, him. like yeah. some of the stuff that worked out. Him. Like, and this yeah. is like. Let's be honest. If you're going to win a championship at any point in time, let alone when your guys are kind of into heading into their early 30s, mm-hmm. like you got to have a lot break right for you. But they really like, like yeah. pretty much all of it worked. And like Kaminga and Moody were playing all those playoff games, but mm-hmm. not big roles. Like they were like yeah. eighth, ninth, tenth man kind of guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean a lot. And and then you look at what's unraveled. That, well, Gary Payton can't stay on the floor. Otto Porter Jr. left and also can't stay on the floor. Looney's not quite the same guy, even though he's only like 27 now still. But like Looney was such a warrior for them. The Raptors year too, like where he's playing with like his arm held together by silly string, basically. Mm-hmm. Yo, Ka- Kawhi um, intubated that man yeah. with his shoulder. Like he literally broke his rib. Um, yeah. And he played, so like obviously he's, and, and then Poole goes because you got to make some changes there. I don't know. It's, it's a... Uh, no, they're in a Poole tough spot because Draymond punched. Yeah, him. <laughs> and I don't know what the answer is for the Warriors because tagging. what would make sense, like if you if we were being very cold about this, yeah. and all they were trying to do is win another title with Steph, you would really seriously explore a Clay trade, a Chris Paul trade. Draymond, you probably have to pay teams to take him too much, so I, I don't think you. What's I, even Clay and Draymond's trade value? Right I mean, now? Clay's a huge expiring, so like maybe yeah. you find something to that. Like expirings are are we're back to expirings being kind of valuable, right. especially as we head into like the super tax years with the new CBA. But but if you were being cold about it, you would explore the Clay and Chris Paul stuff. But what I think is probably more likely is they look at it as like, ah, you know what? We're so deeply, like, we're so pot committed yeah, you just to, have to Steph and Clay and CP and, and that is like, if Moody and Kaminga are unhappy and we can attach them to a Wiggins or something like that and get a piece that gives us a little bit better, like, I think that's where they're headed. I think that'd be really dumb for them to do that. So do I, big picture. Yeah. But I think for the purposes of our content the next four or five weeks, it's, it's right. wonderful if Kaminga and Moody are on the table, not just for teams like the Raptors, but all around the league yeah. when you hear about the type, the type of guys who could be available here. On, on behalf of Raptor fans, I'm going to ask this question. Not This is not for me. This is on behalf of Raptor fans. Mm. On are behalf you of Pas- all the Muse accounts? That are, are, out there? are you doing Pascal to the Warriors for Wiggins plus, I don't know, let's say pick two of Kaminga, Moody, and Pods? Are yeah. you guys doing that deal if the Warriors offer two? Right? No, I want three. You want all three? No, I want what, Pods, what Kaminga, and I'll take Trey's, Trey's Jackson Davis. Yeah. Okay. So you sure. could go. You let's say Fine, you can you get can son of Dale Davis. This this yeah, is yeah. maybe too much, but let's say theoretically you could get three of Trace Jackson Davis, Pods, Moody, Kaminga, and a first. I tell honestly, I would think about that. You would. They're think not. About I would think about. That. I don't think they're okay. going to give you three players. I don't think they're yeah. they're deep enough to do that. But I think that they would, or three prospects rather. Right. But I think it's like Moody's camp complained today too, right? Yes, like that's right. Yeah. Like they are not. So when they come to Toronto, are they going to complain in Toronto too? Because also, honestly, when you're you're in year three and you're complaining, like, it does annoy me. Like, but like, you're, but I you're think this has been like a lingering. This so, has been a lingering thing, though. I feel like they've earned more playing time. Yeah, and like, yeah. this yeah. is from, not like Malachi. This is not Malachi Flynn complaining. From, from a, a prospect perspective, yeah, they were also like 
the two youngest guys in their draft class. So they're both only 21 still, even though they're in year three. And like Kaminga's case is like, even if you don't like a third year playing talking like this or leaking like this, Mm -hmm. like he has a very good basketball case for, Mm -hmm. I should be playing more Mm -hmm. and I should be closing out games and I'm better than the guys that are playing ahead of me. Even I I think that way about Moody, but there's always been a weird thing where the Warriors don't seem to like Moody as much as I like Moody. Um, Anyway, I think you could get a couple of those assets. The thing to keep in mind with this, especially if you're someone listening and you're like, oh, that seems like way too many assets. Wiggins has three years left on his deal beyond this one. Basic, oh, no. It's, it's basically oh, no. the RJ deal. Oh, it's, no, it's worse, man. I'd, I'd much rather have RJ. Well, it's, it, it is slightly more money. He doesn't have the, like, RJ's got a bunch of incentives that can push his higher, but, like, if RJ makes all NBA or all defense, you're fine with paying the extra incentives. Yeah, sure. Wiggins is, like, three years and, I think, $85 million left. Um, Bro, I can't even that's count bad. on Wiggins to for sure show up to work. That Like, given, obviously... Wiggins a year and a half ago when they won the championship, you're fine with it. Yeah. This right now might be the worst contract in basketball. Yeah, Maple Jordan, mm. Junior Jordan, Mr. Fantastic. Who called him that? This is all a basketball reference. Yeah, I know. Eric so like Canada? No. Yeah. Come on, man. This is this is one where like if we fast forward to July 1st mm-hmm. and the Warriors are trying to get rid of Wiggins because there's these super repeater taxes coming that don't let you make any roster moves and things like that. You're paying at least a first round pick to get out of Wiggins' oh, deal, yeah, probably 100%. more. Yeah. So, like, you have to keep that in mind. If, like, if Wiggins is the salary, like, you got to take Chris Paul's expiring in that kind of deal. Thousand percent. Yeah. I, I like yeah, as yeah, a yeah. team trading to the Warriors. If you want, if they want you to also take Wiggins' contract on, I'm like more assets. But do Kaminga, Moody, Pods, any of these guys move you like that? Yeah. I mean, I think they're okay. all, all like right. I think they're all clearly rotation caliber players in the NBA. They're all very young still. I think you know I don't know that any of them have star upside. Mm-hmm. But I think that Kaminga could play his way into a starting caliber four slash like a guy who starts at the four and, and plays him even small ball five minutes. Like like How's he's a bit with Scotty then. I mean, not elite, but like he's yeah. he's a better version of like a way better version of Precious. That's not a sell. I'm sorry. I mean, what if you only took like what if instead of Precious when he had would have two good games and three bad games at any five game stretch, you get one bad game and four good games instead. One thing I really enjoyed about the Emmanuel Cook experience is that there are no bad games. They're just good to great games. <laughs> Emmanuel consistently. Yeah. Um, um, before before we move on okay. from this Warriors thing, you know, I was deep in it. Roof, and, and sorry, yeah, just to say, we'll do a lot more trades oh, no, stuff over the yeah, next yeah. couple of weeks. No, no, we're no, kind of just doing a quick hitter here. But yeah, like, we, we can't gonna, waste all our content. We're going to do a billion trade things. We might even do on some mock front. negotiations with... You know, who knows? Andy Lulu from the, the Warriors side or something <laughs> he's like gonna that. He's going to be begging, man. Oh, yeah. he's ready, man. He's going to be begging. So I he was, might uh, want to trade for Darko, too, to so get rid of <laughs> Sleepy Steve. So um, Bring Jamma back was, to Golden State in the trade, yeah. No, 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 no. It's going to cost you an extra pick. I was peeping Andy Lou's timeline yesterday just to watch his meltdown yeah. in real time. And I know, you know, like after losses, these Twitter spaces pop up mm. and stuff. Um, so I have a clip here. It's a two-minute clip, but I just want to oh, yeah. want you guys to listen to this meltdown that took place on a Twitter space with, with Warriors fans. So here's the clip. Team the game, right? score in the last six minutes of the game. Don't talk to me about defense. The f- offense went away. They got smothered. They lost their discipline. Steve Kerr took away one of their key offensive threats in the game. Kaminga was able to put the floor on the put the ball on the floor and attack and take Jamal Murray to the basket and get him in trouble. So a, a twenty-five to four run has nothing to do with defense. 
No, it's four. A 25 to four no, run. No, it has nothing four to do with points, Gordon bro. Aaron Gordon goes for 15. You scored whoever scored in the fourth quarter has nothing to do with the Pistons. Who invented Twitter spaces, man? You need the opposite of a Nobel Prize. Dave doesn't understand defense. Dave, are you okay? Are you doing all right? It is what it is. So, young man Jim Park, if you ever tell me like that in my life again, you're going to be in trouble. Don't you ever talk to me like that, right? Don't you ever talk to me like that i don't talk to you like that and i expect you not to talk to me like that. you don't understand defense dave the whole room sees it you don't see you don't understand defense jim park you don't understand defense you don't respect defense that is why you wanted chris paul to start and why you wanted chris paul to finish games because you don't give a crap about defense if that's the case steph curry don't care about defense because he the one that won't chris paul out there please sure dave no offense i am not threatened by you whatsoever don't threaten me it does absolutely nothing oh no a guy on the internet said oh you're gonna be in trouble what am i gonna do oh my god oh no because you're in new jersey you have no investment in the warriors it's just a career for you i'm born of this son right so yeah well I'm learn defense you. you don't so understand defense respect defense respect defense learn to respect defense first respect respect defense wins championships bud defense wins championships if you can't defend your 28th in the league in defense you're garbage you can't play defense you can't play winning basketball without defense Dave, I agree. Wake up. Again Wake up and acknowledge when you're wrong. <laughs> I don't want to hear this garbage about the defense doesn't matter. Yo, I need Jim Park's like uh, Raptors Twitter equivalent. Yeah, we'll ask like, Andy. We'll ask Andy Lou next time. Shout out to Derek for editing that clip too. Bro. Oh man, that's a lot. So yeah. I don't do a lot of Twitter spaces. That sounded like though the the Jays just signed Paolo Espino as their as their depth starter instead of Yariel Rodriguez. That, that's wow. my. My only experience with Twitter Spaces is Jay's transaction meltdown. No, I just tune in. So <laughs> respect. No, honestly, this is that's actually peak sports radio. Like that's actually the essence of what people want to get. Yo, like, gets the blood nice flowing. Nice little interviews with players, or like you know, no, 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 nuance about you know Jonte Porter. It's or why like Jay's talk is still a good thing. Like the call-in shows after yeah, Jay's games, yeah, yeah. but I don't know how in 2024 we filter the fact that. You like, don't. Like That's you, clearly. But like, like you, like, just you, like this. Like on radio, we can't have that many bleepouts. You know, like like yeah, you're right. Derek's fingers would have carpal tunnel from bleeping out that much if he did it every single day after a game. Yeah. That's a Jim Park man. Like imagine your worst <laughs> reaction pods, like yeah. your your most unhinged ones or yeah. angry ones, and Either then one people, are, the people are coming in, and then you an and then you coach. also have to edit out their swear words. <laughs> if you ever tell me like that in my life again, you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best uh, two minutes of Twitter spaces yeah. I have I, ever honestly, heard. When people say I'm emotional online, that, that, I think that's what they're picturing in their minds. And honestly, like, no, this I is like I don't a, sound like this. This but. is like perception versus reality. Oh, like that's man. perception of you. Yeah, well. Anyways, you know, we saw the past in the Warriors present mm. in the in the Denver Nuggets, the defending champs. Yeah. And we also saw the future yesterday, guys, in Wemby going up against Giannis. Man, Wemby, I think, had like a five-minute highlight reel himself. Like, he was Bro. throwing alley-oops to himself behind the back dribble on a fast break into a dunk. You know what? When he threw the alley-oop off the glass to himself after getting stuck, it it didn't hit for me the same way like Vince or like when T-Mac did no. it, Kobe did it, stuff like that. Because I'm just like, 
it just looks like you're cheating. Like yeah. it looks like a glitch. And Ch Chet did it the other week too. Mm -hmm. And like, given the length of the stride that these guys yeah, have, yeah. and like, if they pick up their dribble at the elbow yeah. and do like a one long step up and under, yeah. and then throw it off the glass, like they can cover from the three point line to the rim yeah. with like one step, two step off the glass and go. It, like, like it looks like a reasonable move. Like it shouldn't even be like a one off. It should mm. just be something in your bag. No, it's too easy. It's too it, easy it, for it Wemby. Too easy. It's too you know, easy. When he put it behind his back in transition and then dunked over Brooke Lopez. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, and then he blocked, obviously. He blocked Giannis, Giannis yeah. at the end. The, and other, yeah. the behind the back thing is the most impressive to me because if you yeah. think of all the things a guy with that much length, like, mm -hmm. like the tools that that gives you, it's mm -hmm. obviously great that he has a handle, but the biggest thing you're worried about about a really long, tall guy like that is like, is the dribble too high? When you yeah, bring yeah. it out to cross over and make moves, are you too wide? Is that too easy to steal? Mm -hmm. So for him to be able to tighten things up and operate that behind the back in narrow space where no one can reach in and poke it, yeah. and like you can just very, very smoothly do it, is like the level of skill there with how long the arms he's dealing with are <laughs> is crazy. No, the, the the feeling of watching a Wemby dunk is 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 so funny because it it's not quite like a it's definitely not like a Shaq dunk, for example, where you feel like the the the, the impact, like the physicality of it. The funny thing about watching, like, a Wemby dunk is just seeing, like, how little he needs to jump to dunk the ball. Mm -hmm. Dude, like, some of their sets now, especially now that he's playing center, yeah. like, Zach Collins is coming off the bench now yeah, yeah. For, for the most part. Right. Like, the guards in, on the team just, like, throw the ball toward the rim yeah. and assume, like, the only way he's not coming down with that is that he got fat. Yeah. But there's, but he also has, like, a subtlety to how he's doing it. Like, you know, obviously you can pop as well, so you have to, like, yeah. respect that. He had a decent number of threes yesterday. And then because he can pop, now all of a sudden he can try to manipulate. Like he, there was a play where Giannis was trying to prevent him from getting, you know, open. And Victor set him up to cut to the top. And then he cut back door for a dunk. Mm -hmm. Like, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it was a, uh, it's really impressive that Victor like has gotten up for these games. Like this you game, tell, the KD game. You could tell, you could tell. Like he was, he, he was up for this. Yeah. He was up for this. Yeah. It's just um, the game-to-game -game experience of watching the Spurs is terrible, though. My God. Like, yeah, no, honestly, they need a Twitter space meltdown, too. Um, I mean, I don't know about that. Victor Wemayama. They're definitely calling him <laughs> Sleepy Pop, by the way. Honestly, we should have a conversation about Pop at some point. Um, yeah. This was Wemby's fourth game of 20-plus points and four-plus blocks in 26 minutes or fewer. Yeah. That's tied for the most such games in NBA history ever. And he's done it in his first 30 games. Maybe start playing this guy 36 minutes, man. Well, nah, are, are you got to like, make sure you managing? lose the game still. Are they managing? Oh, trust me. They're making sure they're losing. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, I love the NBA account. The official NBA account posted the highlight of his rejection of Giannis. Mm -hmm. And it was like, huge block by Wemby to preserve the three-point deficit. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Yo, just say they're down three, man. This man yeah. preserved a 124-121 score. Yeah. What by are the way, we doing, man? The sooner that we can get Wemby with a good point guard yeah like please like basketball gods he's like adam not even you don't even need a good one him and trey jones when they're on the floor together have played even this year yeah like the, so are they just I, like I know purposely you're tanking? But they're, they're five and 29 yeah, and yeah. when trey jones and wemby are on the floor together they played even like it's it. a big like i get it they're trying stuff for the future they're trying to figure out hey what can sohan be i what don't can... like it man build good habits with good players man yeah like i don't so like I, it. I really do at this point think part of it is well we want to make sure we don't win games no, that's fair, right. but it's like, build like, there's got to be a fine line with that, you know? It's competitive at the bottom. Is it? <laughs> Yo, seriously, they're like... They're not if, worried, man. They're good in the West. If we win one game, then the Detroit Pistons will need over a month to catch up to that one win. Hard. Yeah. Um, sports radio topic for you guys. I was thinking... Uh, let's go.
is there a single there probably isn't a single player in the NBA that the Spurs would consider trading straight up for Wemby mm. but is there a multi-star package that would you think would make the Spurs think like what if the Thunder offered like their four best players and like 10 first round wait hold on hold on is there actually not one player that you would trade straight up for, I can't for, think I don't, I don't I can't think trade. of a single one that the Spurs would consider so Dallas comes to you and says we'll give you Luka no I would take Wemby yeah Really? I'd rather build around Wemby. Yeah. You got wow. more runway. He's younger. You've got more yeah. contract controllability, stuff like that. And, like, the Spurs can't make the case of, like, well, oh, we could w- we're, we could win now with I an think upgrade. if you did they a Bill Simmons. The Nuggets come to you and say, we're giving you Nikola Jokic. Honestly, I would still keep Wemby. Yeah, what, it's like an eight-year difference in age, right? And, and like, you I don't have the pieces. You don't There's have no the pieces. he's going to be as good as Nikola Jokic. No, but there's no – you don't have pieces around him to make use of Jokic. If we did the Bill Simmons trade know, value va- call, vacuum, well, he's number okay, one. Well, then, then they shouldn't be trading him for anybody then because their their roster is so bad. But is there a team that has enough talent? Like OKC, I think is a good example. What if they give you Shea, um, the Shea good Jalen Williams, Shea and Chet? Okay, what? that's honestly at that point it's an overpay. It really is. But you would do that if you were the that's Spurs. Three future All Stars. Yeah, I mean that's a, and also like that team is competitive right away. Yeah, which is a part of the thing here with like a Jokic is like you're not competitive yeah. still. You're not competitive with Luka. You don't have the stuff around him. If you get three guys back who are like, like they might, there's a chance. It's not likely, but they could go MVP, Most Improved, and Rookie of the Year on that on that OKC roster in the same season. Yeah, Coach of the Year too. Obviously, that's not on court, but yeah. you know. What about exec? <laughs> what, Presty? Yeah, the funny thing about executive year is voted on other execs. So it's AKA just called the hater award. <laughs> it's just the hater bub. Once again, only white execs are allowed to tank. Um, Honestly, anyways, take. let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll start the mailbag. Well, you didn't want to leave viewers with this one? What if Boston comes to you with Brad Stevens, <laughs> the exec, or uh, Wemby? We will take calls on that. No, we won't. Uh, but we are going to take this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined by my co-host, Blake Murphy, and uh, the East Coast Jim Park. Uh, Jim Park on a Great Lake, Alex Wong. Um, How am I Jim Park now? <laughs> do not go to Jim Park's TL. Do, do not, not look do up. Not. Stick with Andy Lou. That's the PG-13. That's, that's Jim wild. Jim Park. That, yeah. um, all right, so as we mentioned earlier, we took a bunch of your Twitter questions. Um, we actually spent a lot of time talking about Jonathan Kaminga in the first segment, so uh, we have less time for this, but we will ideally like to get to a lot of these topics. We'll get so, to a lot of these. Alex, I got you. So a couple of reports today. Let's start with Pascal questions because a couple right. of reports today. Jake Fisher mentioned that the Hawks might be out on Pascal Siakam, um, mentioned that the Kings are aggressively pursuing, but they don't want to make Keegan Murray available, and the, the Detroit Pistons also want Pascal, what you want Pascal oh, for, man? Oh, man. Why are you trying to get in this, man? Don't do that to Pascal, man. Yo, Don't your, do that to Fix him. your own house first. Um, anyways, so and, and Tim Bontemps at ESPN wrote a longer piece about the Emmanuel Quickly OG trade and said that league sources expect Toronto to move on from Pascal mm. before the trade deadline. So let's get to the questions. You guys can tackle it as part of this. All right, let's go. Um, if the Raptors manage to have a good road trip here, uh, do you guys still like the idea of trading Pascal? 
really just depends on the return. But I do think that the more that they win and the more signature wins that they collect, or not signature, but like feel good, impressive wins that they collect on this road trip, um, the better it is to sell the idea of an Pascal extension. And the worse that they do on this road trip, the easier it is to sell the idea of a Pascal trade. I disagree a little bit, not that that's not fair. Uh, I just think what happens over three or four or five or six games at this point should have no impact on your thinking around Pascal Siakam. You have a ton of information. You know the player extremely well. You know his desires to stay and what it's going to cost. You have a really good idea of what the market is at this point. Uh, going the difference between going th- four and two on this trip and two and four should not change how you're evaluating whether or not you believe Pascal Siakam should be a long-term piece here. I think the front office should have that decision made uh, long by now. Um, so how they do, you know, obviously it's more fun if they win a couple of these games. Certainly want that pizza party tonight, but uh, yeah, I don't think that should change. I don't. I mean, I, I don't feel generally that any tiny sample should change. Your big picture plan, but especially with one like this where we've been talking about it for 18 months, two, three good games should not change what you're thinking here. Yeah. Will mentioned he would keep Pascal. How does he propose to rebuild the depth on this team while keeping Pascal at the same time? Even if you think Do the fit better. works with Scotty, don't yeah. we need to sell for assets? Um, not if you are able to find like rotation pieces or develop your younger players. So, for example, if your development system is able to get Grady Dick to a point where he can play and contribute for you, that's a piece of depth. If you can get Christian Coloco healthy and available to contribute, that's another piece of depth. Um, that one I don't put on the development system. That's more of a health-related thing. So who knows? Um, you know, you have your pick. You have other sort of trades available to you. Like I can't, for example, why can't you move Gary into something? That, or like you can, can you move Gary into two bench players who can contribute for you? Like, even with Gary not producing well, I think that's still relatively doable. Um, you know what? If you want to see what you can get at the deadline for, like, a Dennis Schroeder, um, you can try to do that. Like, Yeah, trade I, him for seven. I, I'm not trading him for seven, but, I mean, yeah, I, I just don't think Pascal is the only guy who can give you that kind of depth now. But, I mean, I totally hear that argument, and if people want to lean in that direction, that's just a preference thing. Yeah. Here's, I just don't want to trade a star player for role players. I'm not. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, that shouldn't hard. be your guiding that shouldn't be your guiding force in this trade. Again, it should be because of the bigger picture ideas of fit and timeline and things like that. Um, You should not have to rely on a sell trade to build depth. Before the title season, Norman Powell was the 11th man on the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And they got a couple of those pieces by selling. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Like Norm came about by selling Graves Vasquez somehow. Uh, You know, Abaka's on that roster because you traded Terrence Ross and the pick you got, the other pick you got in that trade for him. Um, You know, you got, I mean, CJ Miles, though, just a a signing. DeLon Wright with your own pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. OG with your own pick in the draft. Fred, undrafted free agent. Um, Jakob, I guess, is the one guy because you got that back in the Bargnani trade. But, like, Pascal, your own late first pick again. Kyle Lowry, a guy you took a quickly like gamble on, mm-hmm. trading away a lottery pick. Uh, Demar, a homegrown guy. Jonas, uh, a homegrown guy. Like they were one of the deep. Look, I know that that season did not end in a championship, and they had to make big moves after the fact. But they built a team where Norman Powell, who is a like surefire, no doubt rotation caliber player on very very good teams, almost his entire career was the eleventh man on a team, and they needed to do very little selling on the way to building that 11th that that 11 man depth like yeah. you just you got to you shouldn't have to trade one of the best players you've ever had because you've whiffed on undrafted and seconds and things like that 
Um, next up, why can't we keep Scotty and Pascal? I don't understand why they have to be the same age. This is to people that are obviously talking about like, oh, Pascal's a little bit older, might not fit Scotty's timeline. I mean, I I don't think that mm, they kind of rule each other out. Like, obviously, ideally, you would like to see this runway where everyone sort of stays together. But you look around the league, like how many teams keep three teammates together, even for a prolonged period, right? Like the Warriors, obviously, but they won four championships. Here's the thing. Like it, most other teams yeah. change so often. And so, so often. It's not that their difference in age can't work together. If this team were headed for 50 wins in the second round of the playoffs right now, you wouldn't really care that they're far apart in age. Mm-hmm. But the concern is by the time the Scotty and the pieces oriented around Scotty are ready to win, yeah. is Pascal still a winning piece? Now, you could make the argument he is that Pascal at 32 is still going to be you know, a really good piece, or even Pascal next year, if Scotty takes another step forward quickly, clicks and stuff like that, you can make those cases. But to answer the question, when people are worried about that, it's not that guys can't be seven years apart. It's that by the time the younger pieces of the roster are ready for, you know, let's make a run in the playoffs kind of things, is Pascal still at a level that he's contributing to that? And if not, that's Mm -hmm. when you start to explore, okay, maybe you need to reorient around when you're going to be good again. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, and again, you can have, like, the opinions can differ on that. You can feel differently about it, but that is kind of the... Do you the guys think Pascal thinking. will age poorly? I think it's going to depend at least a fair amount on the three-point shooting because, you okay. know, he's not, like... Like, look, I think Pascal through age 32 is probably going to be just fine. He's one of the most yeah. efficient inside-the-arc scorers right now. He's a good passer, um, you know, a good mismatch attacker and things like Everybody's that. Everybody's prime is also being extended right now. Like, I think we got to reframe, yep. like, what a 32-year-old is. Historically, for though... Yeah a you know let's call him a three for offensive purposes who is you know at one point was very good defensively i think has taken a a bit of a slide defensively still still solid but he's not the level he was before those guys if you can't hit a three and shift into a more complimentary like spot up role on offense Mm -hmm. i like it's hard to it's going to be harder to justify if he's on a good team you know those 18 field goal attempt nights and things like that so that that's where your concern is um you know i've talked to some people about who he might age like and you know, in terms of how much he's going to cost at what age, they're not necessarily similar players. But you look at what Tobias Harris has been in Philly the last couple of years. Where if you're a team with a contention window, forty million for Tobias Harris isn't great value. But given where you are, like you're fine with that. And him as a number three guy, maybe even shifting to a number four guy, is fine. Um, you look at a guy like maybe Demar Derozan, who Pascal's offensive game is actually maybe more comparable to mm-hmm. less mid range stuff and more post oriented stuff. But again. Um, you know, not a ton of three-point shooting and things like that. DeMar has aged pretty well, but he's also had to shift his role around who he's playing with, and and he hasn't been on a good team in a while. So those are the kind of comparisons you're looking for, whereas if that's a guy who can, you know, Harrison Barnes style, well, I'm just going to become more of a spot-up shooter as my other offensive skills decline, um, that's a little easier to just fit in. But again, I think this is like, if you give Pascal a four or five year deal, mm-hmm. you start to worry about that stuff. I think a two to three year deal, you're not you're not nearly as worried. All right. Questions about the offense. So much for rapid fire, by the way. Ah, Sorry, guys. Um with the moves made by the front office recently and a very small sample size of two games to consider, is there a world where in the near future the Raptors are known as an offensive first team rather than the defensive calling card we've had for nearly a decade? Um I don't know about going that far, like I don't really see the Raptors as some sort of juggernaut offense. I think one of the reasons for that is you need that one unifying talent that's like undeniable. So like Tyrese Halliburton is able to play so fast, able to process so quickly, make pretty much any pass, um, shoot from crazy distance, 
is really unselfish. And then the rest of the team is like, okay, we'll build the whole system around that. And therefore the Pacers are now really elite offensively. Um, Jokic is obviously super undeniable talent. He's going to make the Nuggets so, I mean, they're, they're like literally champions. We don't have to describe the Nuggets. Um, you know, the Sixers with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, especially with a coach like Nick Nurse, who's like, as long as you do what I want defensively, you guys can cook offensively and play 40 minutes. That's going to be an elite offense. But you need that elite offensive piece. And I still don't see that piece on the Raptors. You know, no. even the even OKC with Shea right now. Like, you have that elite offensive piece. With all due respect to Scotty and Emmanuel quickly, they are not on that level offensively. And yeah. I, I don't see, like, a guarantee that they're going to project to get to that level offensively. Yeah, I think the next step is certainly not uh, being an offense first team. Um, I still maintain they should be better defensively than they are oh, yeah, and totally, have been. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, and this isn't going to happen this year, but mm. in the nearer term, maybe what you're trying to get back to is instead of being an elite defense that is surviving offensively or you become an elite offense that isn't as good defensively, if you could get back to being one of those teams that sniffs the, like, 6 to 10 range on both ends, mm -hmm. that's probably your better path. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, that's, that's a hard needle to thread, but I don't know that, you know, these pieces are clearly a top-five offense or a top-five defense unit at this point. So you got to get back to being, you know, one of the more – and this was a staple of the Dwayne Casey-Kyle yeah. DeMar teams, even though you had some rough, uh, some rough defensive players in those groups. Those groups were always around the top 10 on both ends. Yeah, the game's about a bucket. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Shouts to Ekum. Um, shouts to Ekum. Shouts to Jim Park. Who else we want to shout out, man? No, I love Ekum. Um, why does it feel like the Raptors are missing so many free throws? Maybe they are. Because they are. Because they, they are, seem yeah, to be missing a lot of them during important moments. Yeah. Um, get get yeah, Noah I, Lewis I, I, to I, the, get trained. I don't know about the moments specifically, but they're second to last in the NBA in free throw percentage. The, the Nuggets are the only team they shooting should worse. should be better. They're like at 73.9%. It's not like Jakob is shooting 30 of them a game. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Pascal shoots the most free throws, and Pascal's a little inconsistent. But he's above the team average. Remember when Pascal was shooting 9% from three? Yeah, well, now he's shooting like 50% from threes. It all bounces out. <laughs> An analysis of Gary's finishing within three feet of the basket, please. <laughs> Why does he struggle to finish? Yo. Even on fast breaks, it seems like he can't finish layups. But you know, My favorite thing with Gary is just like... Um, he has the strangest layout package, I think, in the league right now for, like, a consistent guard who, like, uh, is either starting or coming off the bench. Because, like, I feel like, you know, especially now you see so much, like, skill work and training and stuff like that in the offseason. Um, you see, if, for example, it used to be that only, like, Steve Nash would do, like, the wrong-footed layup attempt. Now, like, most guards in the league have that sort of, like, package or something like that. So many players have added floaters. You look at quickly. He's taking floaters from, like, the elbow. You know, like he's just pulling up and instead of shooting a mid-range, he's going to go for the floater. There's so much skill involved with everybody, especially at the guard position. And Gary's no doubt a skilled player in terms of shooting and things like that. But when he gets closer to the basket, like he, first off, he doesn't really shoot underhanded layups, it feels like. You know what I mean? Like mm. he's, he's shooting push layups most of the time. Right. But like, yeah, there's, there's sometimes you go with two hands. Like he finishes like a big yeah. man somehow. Maybe it's, maybe it's a Gary Trent Sr. training. You're saying his package is DHL. No, man. but he, he actually has the Gary Trent Sr. finishing package, it feels like, at times. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's odd. The transition stuff. I mean, the off like half court, it's whatever. He doesn't have that knack for getting to, to quite all the way to the rim, and that's mm -hmm. going to make you, you know, have a finishing package that is more about avoiding contact than finishing through it. And that leads but to some... Leading to the contact. He's one of our good free throw shooters. Right, but I'm saying he yeah. doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, so that's part of it is like if you don't trust that you can finish through contact, then you're going to have a, un, a less conventional layup package because it's about avoiding the contact. Uh, the transition stuff, I just have no explanation for. 
Yeah. I don't like I don't have stats on this handy. Gotta be one of the lower field goal percentages on transition layups mm. in the league. Yeah. And like it's small samples or whatever, but it is it's odd. Yeah. All right, one more for each of you. So for you, Will, what number would you say is reasonable reasonable to re-sign Gary? Uh three years, thirty six million, essentially mid level money. I I doubt Gary takes that. But the way this season has gone, like I think that's actually closer to what his market would be. But if I were him, I'd rather take like he might got to do another uh, one year deal, man. It might be a one year gamble somewhere else, and then see if you can reestablish your value. I mean, yeah. he, he is clutch, for example. So maybe he goes to the Lakers to do something like that. On that Malik Monk, yeah, Contavious yeah. Caldwell Pope. Let's yeah, like, go here for one year. We mm-hmm. don't have bird rights, but whatever. But there is like a bounce back kind of way for him because I do feel like that is like if I were Gary, I wouldn't lock in for three years, thirty five right now. Like even as much as I'm I'm playing poorly. That's locking me in on my current, like, depressed value versus, like, what my true value is. Yeah, he, yeah, he cost so. himself some money picking up this player option. I thought it was, I mean, most, like his last deal was, like, 350 right? Mm-hmm. Three for 50 Yeah, yeah most yeah. of my analysis last, like, heading into last offseason was, like, yeah, Gary's going to opt out because, like, he would have had, he would have made, like, I don't know, even if it wasn't a great deal, like, three years, $60 million this past offseason if he had opted out. And I get the bet on yourself stuff, but he's cost himself some money here. I do think he's going to either have to take much less on an annual basis than he thought, or yeah, do the one year rehab deal. I, I actually would really like his fit in LA. Um, so maybe that is uh, not to overdo the clutch thing that we've been hammering this week with agency relationships and stuff, but like maybe that is the move. Turns out there might be more to it, you know? Just a clutch. Uh, last one for you, Blake, before we go to break. Uh, what is Johnny Junta like in person? Oh, uh, I don't know. He's a cool guy. He's a. Uh, this is, is, that a, a is that his last name? Like, this who? Johnny's last name is Junta. Yeah, the 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 Gate Fourteen. Blue That's Jays how it's guy? pronounced. Yeah. Oh Junta. wow. It's the same last name as Furio from The Sopranos. Furio wow. Junta. Wow. Uh, I, I yeah, thought we were talking Junta. He's a good guy. He's, say, he's exactly what he. He's exactly what he's wow. like on the Gate Fourteen Once again, podcast. Junta is a white man. Uh, J, Jay's Talk Plus. Uh, I, I thought guess. this was a wrestler. No, yeah. this is just. No, uh, no, I've seen him. Yeah, but I didn't know that's how it's pronounced. Junta. Yeah. Wow. Him and Furio. Shows to Juntao, man. Yeah. Shows to Clutch, too. Yeah, listen, there's a a lot of shout-outs that we can get to, but we actually have a lot more listener questions. More mailbag after. We'll get to those after this break and OG moments, but I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Malou. Continue to join my co-host, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. What are we doing? Are we taking more questions or are we going to OG moments? Let's take like 10 more questions and then go to OG moments. Man, I'll let you know when we go to OG okay, moments. Right. You run point. You run point. Sorry. Uh, I'm playing off Melbourne. ball today. As shouts. I always do. Hey, go, go stand in the corner, Pascal. Um, wow. Shouts to, uh, shouts to Johnny uh, Junta, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me know what you're all about, man. I'm yeah? so curious about you. No, man. those guys are popping, man. 
What they is are, this again? This is a gate, gate 14 podcast. Them. It's good. I, yeah. I joined them for, they do yeah. a like Friday, like live stream of the game, like just yeah. having beers and hanging out on YouTube or, or Twitch yeah. or whatever. It's a lot of fun. Their, their stuff's really good. Um, no, guys, let me know if you ever want to meet a gate 14. Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm and, a two minute walk. Johnny just messaged me and said, uh, I should mention that he's a perfectly normal height and that he loves Will. So, oh, yeah. Uh, he's oh, fan just of Will. Oh, That's tough. That's um, cool. Next one, bit of a big picture question here with Barnes being our centerpiece. For the foreseeable future, and most media saying that quickly is an ideal player to pair with him. Who do you see as the ideal player types to fill out the rest of the starting five to maximize Scotty and IQ? Um, by the way, I was th- let's think back to the interview that we did yesterday with Dennis Schroeder, and he just said out loud on the bus, "Yeah, you know, there's a great piece to f- fill around um, Scotty Barnes," and like. I agree. Like, 100% I agree. Not a, not a pushback on that idea. Scotty hater. But he really just said that out loud on the bus. Like, everyone else on the bus is like, all right, I guess I'm just here to be furniture around Scotty Barnes. Like, yeah. I mean, awkward. you got to build around It's not awkward to say it out loud. But um, everyone else is just feng shui. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, anyway. No, uh, how's Blake coming with the first feng shui drop of the oh, season? Man, this guy's saying Junta as well. This is a crazy <laughs> upset. Las <laughs> Did Vegas. Did you say Junta like Ni Hao? <laughs> yeah, Junta on, uh, on oh, Rush Hour. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, stretch five, I think, would really help. Um, rim protecting yes. stretch five, like a, yeah. essentially a unicorn five. So, yeah, my, like a Jaron Jackson. Miles with, Turner. Type, like if you're aiming a little lower, sure, yeah, because you're not getting Evan Mobley. That's the, yeah, that's the IKEA. Jaron Jackson is. Yeah, is, well, is you're not Miles getting Jaron Jackson. Let's let's be realistic. Yeah, like, you can get struck. You can get Jaron Jackson a struck tube. Or yeah, that's that's the Timu <laughs> Timu Triple J. So I'll say this. I so I guess uh, yeah. let me ask you this. Well, mm. forced to pick because there are okay. incredibly few guys who stretch the floor and protect. Them. Yeah, yeah. Which one of those is more important to you in a in a five alongside Scotty quickly? Um, that's a good question. Probably protecting the rim. Okay. Yeah. So if someone like a, so a name that comes to mind for me, and to be clear, Will and I, uh, separate of this mailbag question, Will and I were looking at kind of centers under 26 yeah. who might be gettable uh, earlier today. Mm-hmm. And mm. someone who's a UFA and apparently maybe doesn't have a long-term future with their team is Nick Claxton. Okay. And he is like one of the very best shot blockers in the entire NBA on like a per possession basis. Yeah, let's do it. He's not going to stretch the floor. Well, from we don't the right way, but yeah, I like Claxton. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's a, a he's, he's going to be a what UFA. Like so even if you traded for him this year, like you're trading mostly he's for tall. the bird rights. Uh-huh. Um, but in the scenario where, and we'll play this out a ton over the weeks. Like if you, if you moved on from Pascal, and didn't take a lot of uh, salary back. You could be a cap space team this summer, and he's a UFA. So um, that's an interesting name. But mostly the takeaway was it's a thin list of interesting young bigs yeah. who aren't, like, obviously going to take a boatload of stuff to get out of there. Like, like if you are a good young big who either protects the rim or shoots, teams aren't trading you. What about Okongwu? He was, he was moving me when he was making all those threes against the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I, I think okay, he, he did make a bunch of corner threes. Yeah, and I looked it up. He's had... 27% for his career on threes, and he's taken... What is he this year? 58 total threes. Oh. Uh, he, yeah, he's made 16 career threes, and three of them were in one game against the Raptors. We got him to get... So might be extra moved, but yeah. Got to get him on that Matt Devlin, Amir Johnson program. Get, a, get him three. taking the summer three for, yeah. for next year. I do think, look, I, Atlanta is not a team... I personally don't think they should be buying. I said mm. it at the start of the year. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a believer in them. I don't think they're headed in the right direction. I don't think they're very good. Um, like, I think they're better off trading DeJounte Murray to reorient for a future years and like, Hey, Jalen Johnson, we hit on. Um, but if everyone on that team is reportedly available, except for Trey young and Jalen Johnson. Yeah. A Kong is probably the, the best guy you could pluck out of there. Okay. All right. All right. 
stolen from Eric Kareen's athletic mailbag. Now Hope that, you're getting a nice suntan, Eric Green. Now that we have a decent sample size, what's your evaluation of Darko Ryakovich as a head coach? I'm going to sidestep this question. I feel like I've been too rude to Darko. Yeah. So I would Blake, personally what are your say thoughts? 34 games is not a big sample size for, for a right. head coach, um, especially given how much the roster constraints are. Um, what look, are his strengths and weaknesses that you see? Yeah, so look, we, the strengths obviously lie on the, the personality management side. Like, uh, the, the, the Dennis blip aside on the weekend that obviously he clarified yesterday, he's done a good job building relationships with these guys, keeping guys pulling in the right direction and, and things like that. I think that's a positive. Um, but what does that mean, though? Because I feel like there's certain games where it's like they, they always fall down early or they come out with slow yeah, starts. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a different thing than like what I'm talking pulling. That's a different thing than what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm okay. talking about the building the relationships and the trust and things like so that. So guys like him. Like Pascal, Pascal trusts him. You know, Scotty trusts him. Those guys, that's... We know that for sure. I mean, I think... Oh, better than... Yeah, I mean, I think certainly the read on it is that things in that regard are much better than last year. I, that I agree with. Yeah, so whether that means <laughs> it was it's an upgrade, whether that means it's a positive or, or the absence of a negative. Um, yeah, but yeah. Really, realistically, thirty-four games is not a huge sample for a coach. I think we can pretty clearly say um, he was stuck with that starting lineup a little too long, even though there weren't better options. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you know some of the stagnancy in the rotation patterns, going to Scotty with four bench pieces, things like that. Yeah. Those were not things I liked. I don't know how much of that was like. They only had seven playable guys, and mm. and so there's an element of that. Um, I thought some of the ATO stuff, like at a timeout stuff, sideline inbounds and stuff like that, there's some creativity there. They obviously use that um, kind of uh, get the ball to the high post on one side and run the the elbow pin down or the elbow step up mm-hmm. uh, really, really well, and that's something that they have enough iterations of that teams can't really scout it because you can go a couple different ways. Um, I think it's good that even though the results didn't flow early, there was obvious buy-in into the new system for the first couple of weeks and like the half-court offense was struggling, but it's moved in the right direction. They're still third in assists and things like that. Um, I think those are positives, but we're, you know, we're it's been a bad season. They're 14 and 20. We're, we're stretching a little bit for some positives here. Um, and then, yeah, I think some of the rotation stuff, I we've been very negative about. Um, I, yeah. I thought some of the messaging at times hasn't been great with... Uh, you know, the pizza party stuff that we've joked about and things like that. Um, I'm ordering pizza tonight if they win, man. I don't but, care. like, the reality From is... From where? Probably north of Brooklyn, honestly. Nice. I lived, like, oh, directly nice. in between the two north of Brooklyns in, uh, in the west side. So. Nice. Um, the what reality is, 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 like, a lot of your Darko evaluation has the caveat of, like, well, the roster. Mm-hmm. And there's also a misalignment between you, ha- you hired a coach and all the talking points around the coach were very developmental and long-term focused. Yeah. But then the roster pieces and some of the other moves have been very short-term focused. So right. uh, I don't mean that as a cop-out. I mean that as it's actually difficult to evaluate some of what has happened because sure. how much of that is Darko, how much of this front office, how much of that is just the misalignment. Um, I don't, I, I, I haven't been like blown away, mm. but I think it's a little early to be, you know, out on them or anything like that, which are some tweets that I get sometimes. Um, how much of Scotty's development would you give to Darko? Because that's a that's a key question to me. Like, if, if he was able to bring out this version of you, Scotty, then I think almost everything else that he's done coaching-wise is completely secondary. But it depends on how much you would attribute to I that, think so. a coach is has a, a hand in it because you have to create space within the system for that player to okay. show the growth and apply that growth. That's an important aspect. Um, they've obviously, they've given Scotty a little bit more pick and roll, a little bit more point guard duty, a little bit more small ball five duty. Um, you know, you could make an argument that there should have been even more of that earlier, and that was an argument for changing the starting lineup. Right. Um, I worry a little bit 
about giving too much credit to a coach or the coaching staff in general when obviously none of this happens without the player putting in a boatload of work too. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, you you certainly, he gave the room for it to grow and we'll we'll see if they continue to, uh, to give it room to grow even further. All right. If MLSC called you up and said you were taking over for Masai tomorrow, what are the top two changes you would make immediately? Um, Roster-wise? Anything. Yeah. Anything? Organization-wise. Oh, careful. <laughs> should getting, we call? We're getting set up. Should man. we call yeah. Orn? We're getting set up. Yeah. Um, how would I approach Stick this? to roster if you Better want. Better coffee at Scotiabank Arena and OVO. Although yeah. I'm surprised Bobby hasn't got that changed through already. Yeah, I think he might be working on. Yeah, get to work, Bobby. Yeah, get to work. I want Bobby. more trades. Yeah. Um, Come on. What would I do? Pull over, make a trade right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I would either I would go to Pascal's people and say, um, after the trade deadline, like here's the extension. But before that, I would continue to look for trades. It's gonna be which the is first probably... extension on May 30th. <laughs> It is kind of awkward. It's like, fine, I guess I'll marry you. Like, here. Like, like, come on, man. This guy's not a proposal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. This but, is, yeah, I, I, I th- that's how it's going, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so mine isn't an acute thing, like the, that, hey, this is one move that I make. But I do think if you were to get fresh eyes on the organization, mm-hmm. on the basketball side, one of the the thing that I would probably be most curious of, because, like, a Pascal thing is big, and that has a bigger impact. Yeah, but, yeah. um the biggest curiosity to me of what hasn't worked after it were so long is I would be going down a full kind of autopsy of what has happened on the player development and identification side, because okay. you went from being one of the class, like if not the class of the league, like a top three team finding and developing undervalued talent. Mm. And that helped you maintain, build and maintain depth and have the extra pieces to make trades and things like that. And it has gone away. So I think that's probably so you're looking the, at the scouts. I mean, the scouts, the, the you know, what are those conversations like when you decided this player over that player? What yeah. is the, you know, how much of the player development side was just completely disrupted by two COVID years where you couldn't have mm-hmm. hands-on guys and things like that? I would just, I would really want to evaluate everything that's gone on there and try to figure out how to get back to <clears throat> succeeding there. Because the All big right. stuff is obviously the big stuff, mm-hmm. but the little stuff is where in a salary-capped league where you're probably not going to be a big free agent player, that's somewhere you can really build a competitive advantage. And the Raptors did yeah. for a long time. So, that's um, you know, that's if if I were fresh eyes on a on an org, that's probably the, the area I'd focus first. Yeah, I would promote Noah Lewis to the front of the bench. Um, <laughs> I, bring, thought you, I thought you were going to promote him to like starting small forward. Yeah, <laughs> bring Bubble T to Scotiabank Arena. I remember when, remember when Darko was introduced, um, and you know Masai famously said he was Darko. What did he say? He said, "I want to be." He said it was a great moment for the Serbs because it really was, and it has been. He was talking about uh, Djokovic. He was talking about Joker winning the championship, and then he was talking about Darko getting hired. And mm. he said, "I want to be Masai Ujiri Anovic." <laughs> And he said it in the most awkward way possible. A, I think Derek, you might, you might even have the clip to drop it yeah, somewhere Derek. if you if you if you have a stash. Come on, Derek. Um, but like they handed out, uh, you know, I think Hagen Dazs ice cream bars to like all of us that day. They, they did hand out ice cream bars. I yeah, want they had, that they had balloons and ice cream. Yeah. I want balloons and ice cream bars at the arena wow. for media at all times. Oh, that'd, um, that'd be more food than we're currently getting. Oh, uh, next up, what is your most ideal, realistic outcome for R.J. Barrett on the Raptors? I mean. Uh, within the realm of possibility, because ideal realistic outcome is like he wins finals MVP and, and he says, Canada, this is for you and, and lifts like multiple trophies. Um, That's not happening, everybody. I think the ideal outcome for RJ Barrett is for him to um, 
develop more and more as a passer and just find more efficient ways to play his game. Right now, it feels like he's able to get to spots, draw a crowd, and his option or that he decides to go with too often is just, I'm going to try to shoot or muscle my way through this crowd. Once you have drawn the extra attention of the defense or once you've even touched the paint, for the most part, like, you know, you've done the hard part. The easier part, I think, maybe is to find the right reads. Um, and I just do feel like there's more growth for him on that front. But, I mean, like, I, I, I like RJ. I, I, I do think that the Raptors have a avenue to find value in his current deal. But uh, it depends on how he can grow. And and that's been the question for him his whole career so far. So Yeah, and it's he's also been a weird developmental case where he's flashed improved skills for chunks of time and then they've gone away like he had a whole season where he shot 40 percent on threes on like a good volume mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and then the rest of his career he's hovered around like low 30s like can you yeah. get back to that or was that a blip there have been times where he looks like a future like perimeter stopper and there have been times where he looks like just an okay defender mm-hmm. like can you get back to that and to your point about the playmaking he's had multiple seasons where he averaged three assists a game and then you know this year that was down significantly and um, the turnovers are obviously a, a little not a, not high on a like turnover percentage basis, but on an assist to turnover basis. Um, so yeah, I think look, this is this is maybe lowering the bar too much for a guy who's only twenty three. Mm-hmm. But I really do think the challenge for RJ and where the pressure for where he needs to improve is is, is really just being a better version of not making a DeMar year five jump that we kind of kicked around as, uh, as an example yesterday, not necessarily becoming an elite three and D guy, just like be a little better at all the stuff that you, we already know you do. And just like, instead of five years in a row of being kind of the same guy, let's see, you know, a 10% better version of that. And then the year after that, let's layer on another 10%. And, um, because you know, I don't. I don't think he has superstar upside. I just don't. I think five years of this level of efficiency, we we can pretty comfortably say that. But he can be a better version of RJ Barrett than than we've seen for the most part in New York the last two years. Yeah, and can I give you like a super hyper optimistic version of, of RJ Barrett that actually did happen? Um, so he had game one, game two of last year's playoffs. He scored seven points, fourteen points, uh, shot a combined six of twenty five from the field, which is pretty tough. Um, and then his last game of the playoffs last year, he shot one of 10 from the field. So I'm obviously lopping off like the two really bad bookends. In between there, he played a, an eight straight uh, stretch of playoff games. That was three games against the Cavs before they, they, they wiped out the Cavs. And then they played five of the six games against Miami. In that eight game stretch, RJ Barrett averaged 22.5 points, shot 50% from the field, 38% from three on six attempts per game. Got to the foul line almost six times a game. And he had five rebounds, three assists, whatever. The rest of it is not as important. Like, this is not something that isn't possible for him. My point is that he did this for like a two, three-week period in the playoffs. So there clearly is potential. It's just how do you get there more consistently? That's the question for a lot of these young guys. Yeah, no, I like RJ, man. RJ's got that dog in him, man. And also, like, it's just about cutting down the negative plays and stuff. Also, I mentioned it on air yesterday after we had kicked it around, but... Mm -hmm. I think the most tweets I've ever gotten about something live on the show yesterday was the number of people who were excited to talk about how he got the nickname Ducky, and it's it's oh, comes yeah. from Rowan Barrett Senior, who had it back to back to his high school days. So uh, I didn't shout them out individually, but like six or seven people messaged me yesterday. So thank nice. you for that, and it was uh, it was fun to see how excited everyone was to talk about it. Curveball: Should we target Bronny with the thirty-first pick in order to lure LeBron to Toronto? Man. Yeah. 
You're just going to dismiss this? I, I do have a Lebronto <laughs> shirt that was gag gifted to me that I never threw away. So he, that, that wow. shirt could take on a new meaning. Um, I think for – it just feels weird that people are drafting Bronny to potentially get LeBron on the team. It's just so transactional yeah. that it feels dehumanizing. I'm going to need six sources to tell me that he's interested in Toronto first. Yeah. Yeah, the the six is just the sources like, now. I, like, I get that you can't <laughs> fully, like, just say, oh, that's not LeBron's kid or whatever. But, like, yeah. draft a kid for his merit, his own merit. Well, this is, this you know is the I mean? thing. Like, and not like, as a sideshow. Like, it's come on. Like, it's too much. And, and, like, for anyone who doesn't know, like – Bronny James is not a prospect just because he's LeBron's oh, yeah, son. He's also a good player. Yeah. Like he is considered an NBA prospect on, on talent. It's just, yeah, all the conversation around it is going because he's not a, you know, even though at one point in his class, he was like in the mix as the number one prospect. It was like him and Elijah Fisher, uh, the Canadian right. kid back when they were like 14 or whatever, they were considered the number one prospects. Even if he's not that, yeah. but if you're anything other than that, then like, yeah, the conversation is going to be about around LeBron. And that feels like a, a disservice to, uh, to Bronny. How do you think it mentally affects people when you tell them that at age 14, you're the number one person in the country? Uh, it think, didn't affect LeBron that much. I think not I well so. for the most part. Yeah. You now an LV, uh, you know, adsman. Um, how can we grade Jakob Pertl's performance so far with roster construction caveats? Yeah, like a B minus, not exceptional. Yeah, but also like I'm not expecting like the world. Yeah. I have a just little, make one of two free throws, you know. Yeah, I have That's a little bit of a tough does. time with this one because I just really didn't like the trade and then doubling yeah, yeah. down on it with a, a contract yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, look, with the rising cap, he might end up being worth four years, 78. I just, I don't know where that offer was out there. So I'm a little kind of tethered to the fact that I didn't like how it got to this point. Um, I think he's been fine. Like, weirdly, he's like been almost the best finisher in the league, even though it doesn't feel like he's shooting it. Shooting 68% from the yeah, field. Yeah, um, and, and, you know, the turnovers there. I, I thought he had some really rough stretches. If he looks defensively like he's looked the last couple games, <laughs> it'll be, yeah. it'll be fine. He's like... He's not a top 10 center like Masai called him, but he's probably Why did some... do that? Pardon? Why did he pull that card out? I don't know, man. It's uh, But, like, he is a starting caliber center, just probably in the lower third of those guys. So you just need to see gotcha. that more consistently. Got you. Got you. How embarrassing is it for this fan base to not have Scotty in the top 10 of all-star voting, or does it speak to the overall team product from the last three years. Votes count triple today, by the way. So if yeah. you're looking to change those uh, change those ballots or change those rankings, uh, today's the day. We're so negative on ourselves, man. Like, we'd be like, how embarrassing is it that you didn't bring home an A on your report card? Like, I'm just, a, if, you, if you guys like Scotty, vote for Scotty. If you guys don't want to vote for Scotty, don't vote for Scotty. Like, I'm going to vote for, like, I'm a vote for seven. Fan base is embarrassing. Like, come on, man. Everybody vote for Gabe Vincent. Vote for seven. Man. Triple those votes. Yeah, you I know mean, who I realized wasn't in the top 10 either yesterday? Devin Booker. Yeah, wow. Booker. Does Booker have no stands? He's that's, been out most of the year too, though, right? Like, like he's been like, in and out. Well, like, it's not though. most, but him, KD, and Beal doing this. Like, I thought he'd be yeah. more popular than that. To use an Iron Claw uh, reference that you won't yeah. – I mean, you'll get, but uh, they're f the, the Suns have been Freebird ruling – uh, with their three stars, so uh, the fab. So you know in Iron Claw how they face the fabulous Freebirds yes, in the three yeah, on three. Yeah. So they, those three guys invented the Freebird rule, which is um, they were the tag team champions. So tag team is only two, mm -hmm. but any two of the three could defend the titles, even though technically oh, only wow. two of them were the champs. So that's what the Suns are doing with Beal, Booker, and KD. Any <laughs> two of them can play any given night. Uh, yeah. I love that. This is for Blake. Which Raptor player, past or present?
would have the best time on George Street. Ooh, what is that? Uh, that is a street in Newfoundland that during oh. that in August there's something called the George Street Festival where it's just like a like. Have you guys ever been out in like like St. Catharines or Niagara, like that strip of bars? The smallest city I've like actually lived in is Hamilton. So is okay. there Hamilton or cool? uh, what, what is Port that? Hess Village. Yeah, Hess Village. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Hess Village. Nice. Uh, nice. Imagine that, but like language. there's live like Celtic music in every single bar, and you just it, like there's yeah, okay, like a yeah. week of just like bar hopping and like oh, there's, yeah. there's other stuff. Yeah, there's other stuff going on. Um, yeah. it's usually around the regatta, which is uh, nice. which is a lot of fun as well. I'm going to, without going down the dark answer path because there are a couple of dark answers to, to okay. who's the best party guy mm. um given what we saw at the championship parade i'm gonna go with marcus Saul. got you got mm. you i feel like he could get into the music as well even though he's more of a borchata guy what about present on the roster that's problematic i'm gonna take that question back i bet darko would be a lot of fun darko will be a lot of fun i hope he hits that move that uh the fake jose Mourinho has been hitting. <laughs> oh the, was it that dance <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You got, everyone knows that clip Shouts to my guy. Who's the Tottenham uh, manager again? Ange? Pasta Coglu? I, I believe Big you Ange. mean who's their gaffer. <laughs> I, yeah. love, I love Ange. Um, yeah, you a Tottenham fan now? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Ange. Spur, and I'm talking about Devin Vassell. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it. You guys want to do uh, early between the lines so then we can sure. clear out? Oh, I can between the four. lines for you. Yeah. If you guys yeah. don't mind. All right. Yeah, well, let me find it in the dock where I put my notes earlier. It, it is, time, is now. time now for between the lines. <laughs> there you go. By Bet Rivers. Take a chance. The Toronto Raptors are four and a half point underdogs at the Sacramento Kings tonight. The over under is set at 238 and a half. Otto Porter is doubtful with that knee strain. Gary Trent Jr. is questionable yeah, with a thigh yeah. contusion. Okay. Um, Grady's obviously with the 905. Jonte Porter is up. The Kings are 100% healthy. Wow. They have a couple guys down on G League assignment, but sure. otherwise uh, they got nobody on the injury report. Uh, they are 20 and 13. They are 2 and 1 since making a starting lineup change. They moved Kevin Herter to the bench and put Chris Duarte in the starting lineup. Uh, they're 13th in offense, 21st in defense uh neither of those where i thought they'd be i thought they were going to repeat as like first in offense and 30th in defense mm -hmm. but uh here we are a pretty solid team that a lot of the underlying metrics suggest uh they're probably closer to a 500 team um four and a half is the spread by the okay way, so. so i got i got two things uh basketball wise uh i think that uh the raptors have actually played the kings pretty well recently a lot of the raptors um not signature wins but like really good performances strong performances that stand out to me have come against the kings uh, there was two seasons ago when the Raptors beat the Kings. You remember De'Aaron Fox after the game was like, oof, man, that Raptors bench? Oh, they really cooked us tonight. Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton on that side. Well, my point is the Raptors have had some good performances against the Kings. Last year, the Raptors went on the road and beat the Kings. Honestly, one of the top three performances of the year last year was the Raptors going up against Sacramento and, and being able to do that. Part of that is, though, that they were able to really throw a bunch of wings and try to neutralize a lot of um, Sacramento's perimeter game. Um, I don't know if you can do that as much with this current roster, especially now that OG's gone. OG was the guy guarding Sabonis in that one. But I still kind of like the idea of the Raptors being able to sort of impose their will through their big wings. I'm just not trusting too much about, like, Harrison Barnes or, like, uh, you know, Keegan Murray as, like, defensive stoppers against Pascal and, and Scotty. I think that those guys should have a good game. And, then of course, you add quickly to this whole advantage. I'm just curious to see how much more the Raptors can add on to this. My non-basketball thing about this, and this is wild, this is for both of you, but I would love for you guys to just quickly Google search Kevin Herter on Google Images and then Google search Brian Windhorst on Google Images and just tell me if they look a little bit like a father and son combo. In the face. Whoa. When, did, when did you come up with this? Just now. You just thought of this? Just now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, 
I guess if I squint, I can see it. I mean, it's hard to get past the red hair. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, and Kevin Herter's uh, three nips, which is uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he does have. You don't know the three. You don't oh, yeah. know the three nips. <laughs> hold on, hold on. That's so a, this is this is from James Herbert. Yeah, so James Herbert of CBS Sports had a, a feature on Kevin Herter a couple years back, and ever since I've called him three nips because um, he used the analogy that like. Um, he was basically talking about he only wants to do the things he's good at. He doesn't want to do too much on the court as a rookie and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, if you go on a first date, uh, you don't want to show like your third nipple right away or something (laughs) like that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wow. uh, The whole buildup was I thought he had three nips. No, he just like used the really (laughs) funny and weird. uh, Yeah. uh, I guess that's less weird than me saying he might look like Brian Windhorst. Hawks guard Kevin Herter's high school coach had a saying, don't show your third nipple. You go on a date, you show your strengths. Um, yeah, you show your strengths on the first day. You show your weaknesses on the third day. And uh, if you still keep going, then, yeah. you know, maybe there's something there. But uh, All right, so I'm picking Raptors, though. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, quickly, uh, on, on that matchup, so you mentioned that the, the Kings, even though they have some okay defenders, and Keegan yeah. Murray has taken a leap defensively. He's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. also bring off Knight off the bench, who has the best nickname in mm, basketball, yeah. um, and he's good. But... Either of those guys are giving up a size disadvantage against Pascal and Scotty. So that's a real thing. Yep. On the other side, though, uh, obviously De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis are the guys you're most worried about. Are you going quickly on Fox, Scotty on Sabonis to handle the two primary issues with your two best defenders? And then you kind of put Yak on Chris Duarte off the ball, maybe? Because Duarte is yeah. not a huge offensive that's a, that's threat. That's a good question. Because, like, I, I'd imagine Siakam's probably on Barnes. That, that matchup yeah. makes sense they, both they've ways. They've always put him on, uh, on, on Harrison. Yeah, and, like, RJ and Keegan is fine. That That's a decent enough matchup. Is that is that how you'd line it up? I think I would start off just, like, point guard guarding point guard center guarding center in this case. Okay. Um, with that as a switch and adjustment. Okay, so you maybe yeah. have Scotty coming off of Duarte where he can help into the paint and stuff like that. Ideally, okay. yeah. I mean, but then again, we have also seen Darko use Scotty as the point of attack defender quite a bit since the trade. Yeah, that's and a, Sabonis is kind of like, like, obviously he's the center and he's not point of attack because he's not mm-hmm. operating face up on the perimeter, but it is somewhere in between because he has the ball in his hands more than anyone else on the team. I just want to keep a big body on him as well. You know, I mean, he's obviously pretty big. I know, but like, you, you know I mean? I, I expect Jakob to like handle it. Yeah. To some degree. I mean, yeah. He's like not, where, where the problems come up is like the dribble handouts with Fox and the two main game. And stuff that's like that, that's but, where I'm worried about where like, obviously you don't want to switch those because you don't want to end up with like quickly on Sabonis or something like that. But someone who could stay with Fox in a pinch as he comes around those. Right. Although Yak did an okay job against John Morant of kind of just like staying vertical down the side of the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox is so fast. It's, uh, he, is, he is terrifying. You know what the most perplexing thing about the, the Kings is? It's not even that they're 13th in offense after setting the record for offense last year. They have the second worst transition offense in basketball, and they have De'Aaron Fox on the roster. Makes no sense at all. Do not understand. Anyway, that was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. There you go. Okay, we're going to take our last break of the day. Been your host, Willie. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Malou. Uh, we are almost, almost, almost at the weekend. The Friday vibes have been light on the show. Thanks, everyone, for sending in questions to the program. Uh, thanks to Jim Park for also giving us... Stop <laughs> promoting Jim Park. 
yeah, and also, you know, shouts to Alex and Blake. We got to cherish these moments, man. This, this guy's is the last one of the week. This guy's Parks and Rec, man. The way he's promoting Jim Park. Anyway, to wrap up. Uh, Good luck to Tottenham in the FA Cup. Uh, yeah, so they might be out, actually. I might have given you bad information. God damn it. But in any case, um, we obviously have talked so much about the incoming players, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, um, that, you know, we didn't really give the full space to a guy like OJ Anobi, who's obviously been a long time, super loyal, dedicated, committed Raptor, um, who has been here for a long time and obviously was a beloved player. Um, he was my brother's favorite player. Um, he oh, was yeah. devastated that he was dealt. Juntao Porter's favorite player? Uh, yeah, man, you got to relax on my, my bro. But, um, but yeah, so Sorry, we figured we'd commemorate him with uh, just his favorite Raptors moment. So we're going to go through... Raptor show style and just draft our favorite moments yeah, yeah. for this OG Anobi. Dedicated to Emma J. Brown. Career. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the Emma J. Brown segment. And by um, the way, like we mentioned, other pods have done this. Yes. yes. I don't play dries. I just raptorize. Um, oh, that's, that's so I'm excited sick. about that's that. Sick. I like that. So uh, it's a very important thing. Not we to might play. go four rounds. We might go five rounds, depending on time. All right. But first, with the first overall pick. So in, I'm going to pick first. One. Blake's going to pick second. Yeah. Producer always third. goes last. Will, well, you're on the clock. Hurry listen, up. Listen, I mean, this is no this is no surprise, but the number one OG Anobi moment is the shot uh, the, with 0.5 seconds left. That was the real 0.5 offense was uh, Kyle Lowry inbounding the ball over top of Taco Fall uh, into the deep corner to OG Anobi. The Microsoft Teams uh, screensaver <laughs> went wild. Um, no, but seriously, it was an amazing moment. OG's interview afterwards saying, uh, I don't shoot trying to miss. It's just an iconic moment. It's it's like objectively the number one OG and Obi moment. So you get you get the quote with this as well, right? The I don't shoot trying to miss um, quote. I mean, you know what? If you want the quote, you can have the quote as a second pick if you'd like. I'm not taking it as a second. I just yeah. want to yeah. attach it. I feel like yeah. it should be attached. Okay, okay. okay yeah. I, I've mentioned this before on different podcasts, but if you go into the bathroom in my place, above the toilet, there's an OG print that says, I don't shoot trying to miss. Uh, you I've know, been to your house. I guess I never used remind, to remind to people this. to uh, you know aim carefully. That's a pretty aim carefully one. there. I also I love this you one. You don't want too. a Kawhi a game seven scenario yeah. uh, where it dribbles <laughs> four bounces. <laughs> yeah, um, goodness. I uh, I like this one too because like obviously nothing good came from the pandemic or the bubble. Everything sucked about it. Yep. This play literally could only have happened in the bubble because the only way Kyle was mm. able to thread that pass over Taco Fall and into OG in the far weak corner yeah. was that because there was no crowd, yeah. he was able to back way up behind the inbound line. Right. So um, this is like sneaky a Kyle pick too of like yeah, you yeah. genius. You just like, hey, there's no fans there. I can walk. There's no rule that mm. I can't walk back there. There's just usually people in the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And How then, do you think they celebrated with room service? I think all you they got just, was room service. They just you went just for a went walk and picked and, up your prepackaged <laughs> meals and saw Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray at the pool. That's yeah, what that's the longest layover ever. Um, but yeah, that's that's my first pick. Blake, what, what are you taking with your first pick? Yeah, mind? it's a tough. There's a lot of that's all, that's the obvious number one pick. Um, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of really good things. Nothing stands out to me as like a clear next one. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so I'm gonna go back to getting to know this isn't even a moment with the Raptors but one of the best things after they drafted him was going through all his old Twitter posts okay uh, nice. to learn a little bit about him and there were tons of fun ones like him being afraid of dogs and stuff like that um but the pick is if your girl says hey to me that's our girlfriend now I nice. don't care polygamy mm. number two pick yeah nice nice I it's like uh, it just like as a get to know OG and the sense of humor there um, finding out that he was a longtime funny tweeter, low volume, but high effectiveness. Yeah. Uh, it really did give you the, 
it really did prime us for what was to come in terms of OG's sense of humor. I think the most impressive thing is OG said this when he was 17. So yeah. Most 17-year-olds mm-hmm. don't have good tweets, so salute to OG for yeah. that. Third pick, Derek, what happened to the drops? Yeah, it's, it's last segment Friday. Derek's out of here, man. Yeah. Okay, um, you're right. Man. Okay, I guess I'll just take the OG scarf saga yeah. with mm. Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, it, the it back feels and like forth. your heart's not in this one, man. I mean, I had other ones that I oh, wanted to go off the board. Oh, they are in FA Cup, by the way. They're playing Burnley. Okay. Minute, no, no. Uh, I wanted to go off the board, um, but but I feel like I need to snatch up the Scarf Saga with Surge, okay. the you. exchange with Surge, um, the outfits that they were able to get off. I think it was incredible, too, during that time because the Raptors were like in the middle of like a 15-game win streak. Mm-hmm. The vibes were great right before the great pandemic hit. And... Um, like that scarf thing put the Raptors on national TV more than they did during the championship season. Yeah, people wanted to talk about that. No, vibes were oh, vibes are undeniable, man. That one's that one's amazing. Serge, the day Serge rolled up in that like huge scarf, mm-hmm. he Don't also his feet. He also hit like the game clinching shot. They yes, came back against that. Indiana. Against Indiana, yep. They it were down incredible. like ten with like two minutes left. And yeah, they came back. Yep. Man, that's the best Raptors team we'll ever watch. Um, the vibes were incredible. Anyways, that's yeah. my pick. Round two. Back to you, William. All right. Uh, with the second pick, so I'm going to go with another on-court moment. Um, this is, for me, when I was, like, all in on OG as a Raptor, was early into his career, the Raptors were going up against the Houston Rockets, and it was prime James Harden, like, MVP James Harden, and he was on his, you know, just a really, really good run kind of thing. And OG's first career side, I, I actually looked up my own tweets about this, um, so this is from my own account on November 15, 2017. There's a video attached to this. OJ Anobi's first career start, full offense plus defense highlights. First off, offensively held James Harden to 8 of 25 shooting with 9 turnovers. And OG scored 16 points on 6 of 8 shooting with uh, 3 threes. Uh, he was a game high plus 22. Was there a hashtag AC fan flight? <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Not for this one. Oh, okay, just checking. Double one. checking. But shouts to AC fan flight. It's in that right. era. Yeah. Yeah. Have me back anytime, please. Yeah. I, I mean it. Um, but yeah, seriously, just, that was just like breakout moment. For his yeah. career. Again, holding James to 8 of 25 with nine turnovers, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, usually it's only uh, the, the night before that can hold James Harden to a, oh. a, a night that bad <laughs> the following day. Um, okay. Uh, with All right, my, Blake is up. Let's hear the yeah. music, Derek. So this is an on-court one too, but it's more of a, it's not one specific moment. So I, I am selecting the pick six. For OG, OG's signature move, mm, okay, steal, like take it the whole way yeah. for a dunk. If you wanted to attach it to a single game, um, a couple days before the pandemic hit and the season got shut down, I was yep. in Denver. The Raptors mm. lose this game, but it's a crazy game where not only is OG guarding Jokic for a lot of it, it's the first time we got like the big diet mm-hmm. of OG on Jokic. He has 32 points in that one on 12 of 16 shooting, seven steals, yep. and if I remember right, Four or five of the steals, he took the distance himself. This is OG. Obviously, OG's very good at corner three-point shooting. He's very good just, like, not even stopping a shot, but keeping a guy from getting a shot entirely. Like, like OG's specialty is stuff that you don't actually see happen. But the signature move is the pick six, that I'm jumping a passing lane or I'm just ripping it out of your hands, and I'm going coast-to-coast for the dunk. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's probably... Among the Josh Hart's probably the only guy in the NBA who has a more maybe an equal claim to to the pick and going the distance, but this is OG's move, so that's uh, that's what I'm taking there. Nice, I like that. All right, I'm up. You know, a few years ago on Media Day, uh, you know, OG sat down, you know, with with Faisal Kamisa of Sportsnet, nice. Nice. you know, number one 
sports network in the country. And, you know, all the Raptors players were asked to draw the OVO owl. And I don't know what, what, how would you even describe what OG drew? OG drew like a very boxy ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like it's like in like Super Mario World type. Yeah. And that, and that drawing went uh, viral. I know people made t-shirts of it, Mm -hmm. um, et cetera. So I'm drafting the OG OVO owl drawing. Okay. Do you get Faisal as part of this pick? Like, I, like Faisal's I, I, just I, I, on your I, I roster. Think that's why he did it. I already have Faisal, but go on. This is a Raptors yeah. build up. He can get another right Camisa jersey shows, for, for Alex. Shouts the third mommy. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, uh, round you the background. Round three, William right. Liu. Okay, so I've already got two encore moments for OG. Um, and so I think I'm going to try to take an off-court moment for OG. Um, I have a couple to choose from here, but I think I'm going to go with, um, this is just like one of those random little reels that they record on media day so that they can play it during commercial breaks uh, in the arena. Is um, it the juice one? No, it's actually, so OG was challenged to list uh, in 30 seconds oh, as yeah. many things that he's afraid of. Damn it, that was my next no, pick. Not him, just people are afraid of, oh, right? Oh, people are afraid of, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. So his list went coyotes. Dogs, cats, fish, which fish is questionable to me. I don't know if people are afraid of fish other than Lee Man. Uh, spiders, hamsters, rats, seagulls, whales. And then he paused for a while and he finally came up with cottage cheese, which yeah. took him like 10 seconds to get to cottage cheese. So he finished with 10. But yeah, uh, OG being afraid of cottage cheese is uh, is one of my favorite uh, OG That is a great pick. Uh, it was on my on my board as well. And this, this, this is my juice, next pick. I'm the so juice mad. one that's related to it is in another one of those things. He got to ask, your house is on fire. What's the first thing you save? And he said, juice. <laughs> like he's going to the fridge and getting his juice before he leaves Damn. in a OG, fire. OG might actually be funny. Um, yeah. All right. All right. That's my third, that's Blake, my third pick. Blake. Murphy. Fitting music, because I'm going back to June 22nd, 2017, oh, yeah. which right. is draft Definitely. night. June and uh, so obviously uh, at this point in time at Raptors Republic, I'm doing a lot of draft prep, doing yeah. a lot of the, the write-ups and things like that. Um, it didn't seem like there was a possibility that OG Ananobi would be available at 23. So we hadn't yeah. given him a lot of time. We hadn't written a lot about him other than like, hey, there are some injury question marks. If he slid, unbelievable. But like nobody seemed to think he was getting to 23rd. So uh, the actual pick here, though, is that as we're all getting excited on Twitter, as people like me and other Raptor fans and the the draft people like our, our pal Jeremy Wu or Sam Vecini or whoever are all kind of like, Ooh. how is OG still on the board? Fran Fraschilla drops a... <laughs> Fran Fraschilla drops a... Uh, I don't know. He's kind of the sexy blogger pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, obviously that is, I mean, it's the lead in my Raptors Republic article when Mm -hmm. they select OG Ananobi. I must have tweeted that, like, 30 times in his rookie year. Uh, The Toronto Raptors make the sexy blogger pick at a time when I myself am a not unsexy blogger at that time, but certainly better looking than I am now. Um, So, yeah, the uh, the sexy blogger pick is is my selection here. It was a very, very fun start to the, the OG era. No, no, that's good. I thought you were going to pick something else from draft night, but um, I guess that's still on how, the board. How totally so wanna... his hat fit? <laughs> we can say well, that. That's not for me to decide. Yeah, we'll uh, but that's that. a great pick. Yeah, I remember that. That was sick. Also, by the way, the, it's funny thing because, like, obviously Indiana wanted to trade for OG for a while, and, and I'm sure they were in on OG this time. They just couldn't get it done. Indiana had the 18th pick that year, so fully in position to draft OG. They took TJ Leaf. 
Oh, that's the most backup quarterback they, name you could ever get is TJ Leaf. They man. took a tree? You tell me that's not a San Diego Charger right there? Oh, man. Anyway. All right. This yeah. is what? Round three? Okay. Round three. Yeah, round three. Ooh. I'm going to take OG punking Markeith Morris in the first round. Oh, yes. When they played. This was before the LeBronto situation. I think they got into a tussle in like game three. And if you watch the video clips, you can see the things that OG said. Began with a B. To Markeith Morris. And they later, I think in game six, Markeith Morris had like a really hard foul on Pascal on a fast break. Mm. And he tried to go at OG too at the bench. And OG just didn't flinch. That was when I realized like OG was like, you know, that the lights are not too bright mm. for, for OG. So I always remember him for that series for, for going at Markeith Morris. Yeah, he OG for, for a quiet guy has always kind of wished someone would. Like, he's always oh, just yeah, ready yeah, yeah. to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I didn't want to spoil their picks, but that might also come up because OG's had quite a few. Uh, he, he's he's had a couple scraps, For as they say. Flipping a Raptor show guest. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. All right, yeah. round, round, round four, four, back to Will. Round four. Mark Tatum is at the podium now. All right, Mark Tatum's at the podium, and uh, my team, Team Lou, is drafting OG Anobi's occasional British accent. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> which you time. brought out as well. Yes, he yeah. did it on the interview with us. If you go back on the podcast feed, you'll find on media day of this year, we did an interview with OG. And OG, I, and this has already been a thing because he obviously goes back home. He was, he, was, he was born in London. He has family there. He goes there quite often. Now he owns a part of the London Lions. He says he's an Arsenal fan. You know, you know, he's like a whole thing. Like he has a whole mm. thing about um, going back to London. A lot of connections, um, you know, as most Nigerians do, to be honest. Uh, at least in the diaspora. And then, so OG, every time he goes back to London, the accent starts to pop out. You know, like uh, mm. I don't know if people watch CBS uh, Galazzo's um, show, but like he's he's a bit like Kate, Kate Abdo. Like there's just different accents that he's capable of pulling out mm. here. So. You know, I gave uh, OG that little quiz about just reading some British terms. And so that's going to sit forever in my Google Drive because, you know, when else am I ever going to look at it? But, yeah, there's a whole Google Drive that just has OG trying to say words like uh, aluminum and, you know, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Adidas. In it. Schedule. Schedule. Yeah. But, yeah, shots to OG. Combination. <laughs> you know, I should have put combination in there. Damn it, man. Where was my producer that day? He was sitting right beside me, actually. Um, no, I like that one. All right, yeah. on to Blake Murphy, round four. All right, this one's incredibly stupid and maybe Let's a little go. inside, too inside writering. writing, writering. Um, so last year at Media Day, we get told, and in the media guides and things like that, Hey, by the way, uh, OG Ananobi is now spelt O dot G dot. Mm, yeah. It's a new thing, and OG's explanation is it was always spelled that way. Uh, we That's what they did at Indiana. I don't know how it got to be this. OG does not stand for anything. It is just no. a shorter version of Agugua, it's, it's the his first, first two name. Yeah. I looked into every possible thing. Is his middle name start with the G? Is there a, a Nigerian word that starts with the letter G that maybe is, is a junior version or something like that? Anything to make it make sense right. what O dot G dot would mean. Absolutely nothing. I go back and I look at the Indiana media guides when he was in college. Mm. No O dot G dot. Like fully mm. just made that up. Gotcha. And then this year at media day, we look at the media guides. The initials are gone. It's just back okay. to OG. Just for a year to mess with people, he decided, and like, this seems like a small thing, but NBA.com, 
every one of those stats databases that has to pull data, things like that, um, you know, video games, what's on his player, like on his uh, trading card, um, what is on the Raptors.com website, what we're putting up on sportsnet.ca when we write about a guy, yeah, yeah. all for one season, just because OG felt like it, yeah. had to be O.G. And then this year he he lets it go and it's back to just OG. I like it. It's like the, it's like the, the first episode of The Wire where Rawls is like, the commissioner likes dots. Yeah. That's OG. He's the commissioner. Yeah, day. he means bullet points. No, though, as right? someone yeah. who had to write episode descriptions for the show every day, last year I had yeah. to put the O dot G dot. In. Yeah, and, and this I, year you I, didn't, right? Yeah, this year I gave it up. Today oh, it's just going to be OG. You got a bit of that uh, Jimmy Butler like trolling on media day. A little yeah. bit, a little yeah. bit. RJ, little by bit. the way, uh, no dots for RJ, even though it is. What? Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah, even though his is a, <laughs> like, Roll, his, Roll, his, Roll, 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 his is a more traditional, yeah, Rowan, Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. But yeah, no, he doesn't and spell it with uh, with the dots if you look at uh, the NBA media stuff. Yeah, you could have been Raj, R-A-J, Barrett. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, all right, last pick of round four. I'm just going to take the iconic succession-inspired OG Maasai Media Day photo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Um, shouts to the Tier Zero guys. Yep. If any one of 30 of you that work for Tier Zero listening, print me one of those. I actually want one framed. I so the gotta, iconic... I Tier zero tattoo to get up. Oh that my kind god! Of yeah, so that's my that's my fourth pick. So I, I saved round five to see if you guys wanted to either make an honorable mention pick or oh, okay. share a personal interaction with OG as a pick. Uh, so this is bonus round. Okay. Will Lou? Well, I got technically already drafted my own interview with OG. Yeah. Uh, in the previous round, <laughs> so I wish I down wish again. I scrolled down in the rundown <laughs> Once here. Once again. Um. So my last pick will not be a personal one, unless you consider Dennis Shooter a personal friend because he comes on the show every week. Uh, yeah. By the way, great interview this week with Dennis. Go check it out from yesterday. Go check it out. Uh, but OG flipping Dennis Shooter is so funny to me, man. There's no lead up. I mean, yeah. I think Dennis is still like a quietly like a little bit still like, oh, why'd you do that to me, man? Because he never got a good answer from him. But I loved OG flipping Dennis Shooter. It was uh, one that were in Tampa. And I love that it happened in the first quarter coming out of nothing. And then as OG was ejected from this empty arena, he walked down the tunnel and he got a fist bump from Masai Ujiri. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, still, I, I thought that was just cool from everybody involved. But uh, yeah, sorry. That was not a personal interaction. Nice. Uh, this is like when we did over-unders and you did locks twice. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Blake, bonus pick. Yeah. Okay, so my... Uh, the honorable mention here is uh, let's double date at Rabba Fine Foods, yeah. and just oh, general, just generally OG being like a a nonsense poster in the comments yeah. for a guy who does no social media to always be posting nonsense in teammates mm-hmm. uh, Instagrams. But my personal uh, story or memory is I'm in the locker room. Uh, this is like just at the end of 2019 ish, and I'd done this thing where I asked every Raptor what their favorite album of the year was and made a playlist of it as okay. part of an article. Cool. Like and that. OG and Patrick McCaw are arguing with each other over the ranking of Young Thug albums. Mm. And OG, like, tags me in to, like, moderate the art, like, oh, like, yeah? like, to settle the debate. I'm like, He's I'm not like, the person. here, Molly Curum. I'm yeah, going to be Stephen I, A. You're, you're hey, skipped. Boy like. genius over here. What's your take on the Young Thug album ranking? So the uh, most the most fired up I've ever seen OG uh, in the locker room is yeah. arguing Young Thug album rankings with Patrick McCaw. I love that. This um, was right after So Much Fun came out, too. So that was kind of the impetus for the the argument, I think. Honorable mention goes to OG's Staples commercial oh, nice. from last year. Employee of the Month. Yeah, which is a Jonesy classic. Um, he also had that uh, weird Skateboards and Roses one. Yeah, there. and I guess yeah, my, my actual jar pick. 
Um, I don't know if I've told this one. So there was a time when I think either Kelly Oubre or Jared Smith made huge news because they wore a Supreme branded shooting yep. sleeve. Yep. And the next game, I was in the locker room talking to OG about it, and he actually had the shooting sleeve in his locker room. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he was like, he was like, hey, uh, do you think I get in trouble if I wear this? Uh-huh. And his biggest worry was Kyle getting mad at him. Because he <laughs> That's thought, culture. Yeah, That's no, but he, culture right but there. But he was like, you think Kyle will get mad? Because like he thought if he wow. did that and pulled it out like for the starting lineup intro, uh-huh. it'd be like not serious. And Kyle might be like, oh, what's like, what are you doing? Uh-huh. So this was very early. So in Kyle Lowry's on the floor dapping people who are doing calisthenics. <laughs> yeah. But then he sees OG and he's like, take that off. <laughs> yeah, take that sleeve take that off. off. Yeah. So wow. OG ended up not wearing the sleeve. All right. Yeah. So. That's a that's a great story. I, I, you know, there's very few Alex Wong stories I've never heard. <laughs> you so know, I'm actually kind of grateful for this. Because I only have three. I'm actually quite grateful for this. I wish we had Danny Green on to do this one because obviously yeah. the rabbit fine food was at him and he also i think told a story once and it's never been verified with photos but like when they were celebrating the championship mm-hmm. in vegas yeah. he was wearing swim trunks and a suit blazer oh, yeah. so i actually asked oj about this one time yeah uh, it was for yahoo sports it's called 25 questions with og Check og out. just completely shut that down he said danny was making stuff up yeah i want to i want to get but this I also one think in that that's true though before, <laughs> i want to get this one in before we wrap up because i think it defines og this is from a, a twitter account brooks Otter Lake, when OG got traded, tweeted, I once had a table next to OG at Pi, and when his pad thai arrived, he said, what's that? And his date said, that's what you ordered. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's a good one. Well, Missy OG, thank you for all your time with the Raptors, and that's all the time we have for the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, and please rate, the, review the show. Uh, thanks once again to Alex and Blake, Derek, Jennifer Olnick, David Sis, Jeremy Manitad. We'll see you next week.